special guest speaker this morning. And uh, I'm fixing to ask you to show a, a little video clip. But uh, um, back before I got in the ministry full time, I had uh, three people I worked with that were really close friends of mine. And all three of them were from India, from the nation of India. And uh, just been over, went over to their house and... Uh, they were all they were all Hindu by religion, but uh, I've really gained a, a true friendship with them, and, and you know for years enjoyed them, uh, and have been getting emails from people in India for years, uh, ministers in India. Uh, you know, since we've had a website, people can find you now, send you an email, and want you to be connected with them somehow. But that's sort of not. The way we do business, we do things through relationships. And uh, but this man, uh, I don't really know him, but he comes highly recommended by some people that that I really trust. Uh, is going to be here. Today. His name is Rajan Chin Adura. Is that good? What really impressed me about him is his business card has a picture of his family on it. He's got five children, so he's a real father. And I think, man, that's, that's the kind of guy we're looking for. Um, he has a ministry called Heart International Ministries. And, in fact, he sent me some stuff, and one of the things he sent me was this picture over there on email. So I was real blessed by that when I saw it. Uh, it's really important that people, you know, who... Well, I mean, if a guy's got a family and he loves his family, that's, that's important to me, you know. I mean, that's that's really what this thing's all about is, a, is that kind of thing. But he has a tremendous ministry from what I understand. I, I've never seen his ministry up close and personal. I know a couple guys who testify to him, like I say. He basically has a ministry of evangelism uh, and prayer for healing. He has a tremendous ministry in healing. Uh, but he goes beyond just going out and preaching the gospel, which is not just. You should never say just preaching the gospel. But he also equips people to do ministry and helps them as they start churches. He actually equips the pastors and leaders in these churches to, um, you know, to function in the local church and have local churches established, which you know, we have a real heart for that ourselves. And also he's got one of the few TV ministries in, in-, uh, in India. Which is, you know, over here, you know, TV ministries are sort of a dime a dozen. In fact, most, a lot of people don't even, are turned off by TV ministers in America. I mean, you know, some of them, there's some good ones, but there are also some bad ones. But he has a, he has one of the, he's one of the few people who's doing what we call media ministry in India, which is pretty significant. So, what we're going to do right now is, if we could turn the lights off, he's brought a video that he wants to show, and then he's just going to come up. And then he's going to minister to us. And, and what I would like for you to do, if you can, is when you're finished ministering, to pray for people if, if you feel like that's what the Lord... Does. We want you to be free here, okay? There's no pressure to perform any of that kind of stuff. You know, you know, we receive you in the name of the Lord. So I just want you to set you at ease and you don't, you don't have to... You know, if you don't feel like God's got anything, don't try to do anything, okay? Just go with what God's given you and... I just want to really bless you, you know, before we show this. Lord, we ask you to bless our brother, and we thank you for him today. We thank you that somehow you make divine connections, Lord Jesus. And, and Lord, we just ask you to use him to speak to us and uh, just impart something to us today, Lord Jesus. Impart something that we don't have, Father. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and roll that video, and then you can just come on up.
India is ancient. Its history goes back 5,000 years, and that is reflected in its literature, religions, and architecture. Since biblical times, India has existed, but God is giving India a new beginning. The same year Israel became a nation, India too established independence of British rule, adopted a constitution, and became a republic, the world's largest democracy. In 1997, the year India celebrated self-governing, Rajan and Becky Tenadurai moved to India, Rajan's homeland. A year earlier, God had birthed in their hearts a threefold vision for seeing the spiritual landscape of India changed, and for sharing the love of Jesus Christ to this nation, now filled with one billion people. The first of the three steps God gave: conducting open-air crusade evangelism in remote villages. Where 70% of India's population lives, and churches are desperately needed, along with preaching the good news of Jesus and large meetings and street outreaches, God has put in their hearts the need for pastors for precious new believers. As God inspires and directs each step, the work has been rewarding and fruitful. Now, just this year, as India has begun to experience lightning speed changes, so to have the second and third part of God's strategy come forth. At incredible speed, the second strategy: to raise up a short-term training school where men and women would come and experience the power of God and leave with His anointing. For without this, India cannot be reached. In October of 2000, the Dunamis School of Ministry, located in Madras, opened its doors to students from the villages and cities across India. Dormitory rooms, food, and study materials are all provided by the school. Intense classroom teaching and prayer, along with practical hands-on ministry, and seeing the miracles of God as they labor alongside Rajan and Becky, causes each one who graduates eight weeks later to go forth with the passionate love of Christ and the power of His Spirit burning in them. Ministry students traveled with Rajan and Becky into a remote village. They came upon a family gathered for the funeral of a man who had died. It was an experience of a lifetime when they watched that man being raised from the dead by the power of Jesus Christ. You see, this gentleman Lakshmanan was dead. His life had departed. And when we went to his village, he was just laid out there. His own son and family had was convinced he was dead. They covered him up with a mat, went and got all the relatives, and at that precise moment we went. All the relatives were gathered to cremate this man. And after we prayed, the power of God flowed through this man. God raised this man from the dead. He poured His life into him. It was an incredible miracle. Now it has been almost four weeks since this happened, and this man is alive. He is well. He is. Carving a niche for herself in scientific advancements and microchip computer technology, 
the diversity of a nation where skyscrapers and huts made from leaves exist side by side is amazing to see in this new century. While cell phones, the latest model of cars and clothes, internet access on every corner can be seen, India still has vast numbers of beautiful, quiet villages where water is pumped by hand and bullet cart is the primary mode of transportation. But the most intriguing thing is to find that whether you're in a skyscraper in India or in a remote village hut, you can still watch television. Television has penetrated even the remotest Indian village. Its influences are felt through every spectrum of society. While not always a good thing, God is using this tool to bring people to himself. Using the media, television, radio, internet, are all part of the third strategy God gave Rajan and Becky Chinadrai in 1996. But it was this year, the door opened wide, and they were given the unprecedented privilege to produce the first ever daily Christian television program in the country of India. Victory Today, a half-hour broadcast with featured teaching from Rajan in the Dunamis School of Ministry, is reaching literally all of this nation of one billion people. But as God goes beyond what one can think or imagine, He opened the door for the program to reach nearly every South Asian country, including Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, Oman, Thailand, Burma, and more. Produced at this time in three major languages, responses are coming in by mail and email. As a result, Rajan and Becky felt the need to begin a 24-hour victory line where people could call for prayer or to receive Christ at any time of the day or night. Victory prayer ministers are graduates of the Tunamis School of Ministry, and miracles are happening even over the telephone. On Saturdays, Rajan and Becky developed a program just for children. It's a Bible-based value-instilling program which enables young children to love Jesus Christ and fulfill the destiny God has for them. Jesus said he wants the children to come unto him. As responses began pouring into the program, the need for tools to put into the children's hands to continue to grow in Jesus became apparent. Now, the Victory Kids Club sends out a beautiful, full-color, 32-page book based on the true Bible story of Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. Children who may have never known Jesus died for them, has healing for them, and eternal life for them are now coming to know Him personally and intimately. India has a new beginning. Sharing the love of Jesus Christ in this huge and unique nation is a great joy. All spectrums of society are opening as never before to His good news of salvation and hope. But God has more ahead. As the Apostle Paul said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, 
I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's give Jesus praise. Come on, praise Him. He's worthy of our praise this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless You and we praise Your holy name. Thank You, Lord. It is a great day to be alive. It is a great time to be alive. Isn't it true? For God's people, this is one of the finest hours to be alive in this world. Because everywhere you turn, God is doing something extraordinary, something exciting, and He wants to use you and I. And that's what's happening in the nation of India. We are very grateful this morning to be here with you. I really believe it's a divine appointment that my wife and I and our family can be here with you. And thank you so much, Pastor Byron and Becky, for having us with us here. Although you didn't know us, you know, God made it possible for us to be here. And uh, I want to introduce my family to you. Did mommy step out? Okay. We have a little baby. Uh, he just turned two. He really believes that when I stand up, he needs to preach with me. <laughs> my oldest daughter, Priscilla, stand up, honey. Uh, Priscilla is 11 years old. And uh, Rebecca, can you stand up for just a second? That is Rebecca Joy. She is five and my son Joshua is here seven and uh, two are outside with Becky and uh, one is Israel who is two and uh, and Esther who is nine we have the wonderful privilege of living in India, we've been there uh, almost seven years and uh, we moved to India with three children and five suitcases and God has literally expanded our territory in India <laughs> and since this video was done God has given us one more language to air daily Christian television program. Uh, when we were in India, there was no Christian television program, and we had the privilege of birthing the daily, first, uh, daily Christian television program seven days a week. Uh, the national language of India is called Hindi. 700 million people speak that language, and among them only half a percent are Christians. Think about that. 700 million people half a percent are Christians. In India on the whole there's only 2.9% of the people who even acknowledge that they are Christians. And um, this language had never been penetrated before. And God put in our hearts to position ourselves to do a daily Christian television program in this language. We spent 40 days fasting and praying. God gave us a plan. We began to go to North India and began to hold large training schools some of our, each school averages at least a thousand people, sometimes more. The last school we did, we had 1,600 people, men and women, who come and stay with us for 10 days. It's whole day school, and we take these schools. And in October, this past October, God did a huge miracle. It's like a Red Sea parting for us. Touched the hearts of Hindus who own networks in India, one of the largest networks that deal with Hindi, open their door every morning 7 to 7.30 we have a Victory Today program and we reach 300 million people through that program just within India and uh, also we reach all of Pakistan all of Nepal, Bhutan and parts of Bangladesh through this program and it has been exciting number one 
we are able to preach the word of God without any restrictions. Uh, the network has not placed any restriction. We can use the name Jesus. We can persuade people to give their lives to the Lord. We can show testimonies, pray with them, share words of knowledge. That is a huge miracle in the nation of India because there are, uh, they can easily uh, uh, put restrictions on you, but we have no restrictions. Number two, even the network is receiving good letters from viewers who want the program on. And that is a divine work of God. And that's why we have been on air now almost seven months. And uh, we are reaching millions, as I said. But more than that, every day we get calls and letters from people who share testimonies, who share how they received Christ as their Lord and Savior. Would you like to hear some of those stories? People who never, ever heard about Christ, received Christ. This man is a Hindu. His name is Vaidyalingam. He says, he writes to us, he says, I belong to a Hindu family. We are very orthodox Hindus, strong devotees. One day, about two months ago, I happened to come across your television program. From that day onwards, I began to watch your program every day and found it was useful to me. And I have also started to go to a local church and I decided to take baptism, water baptism. Through your program, I have come to know about Christ and accept Him. Thank you. You know, when I receive a letter like that, it, the, the exciting part here is all these centuries the nation of India has existed and this is the first person in that lineage, in that family lineage has received Christ, has broken the bondage of Satan upon that family and broken the curse, has stepped out from darkness into light and that's a joy here. Here's another man, his name is Muni Ratinam. He says, I work as a conductor in the Public Transport Corporation I'm 45 years old. I belong to a Hindu family. I'm staunch devotee. When they say staunch devotee, it means they do all the rituals that the religion calls for. Even though I went to a lot of Hindu temples, there were serious problems and difficulties in my life. I had no peace or joy in my heart. Last December, I heard Reverend Rajan speak on television. His message touched my wife. That evening when I came back from work, she shared this with me. The following day, my wife and I both watched your television program together. And from that day onwards, we watched it regularly. After a week, we decided to accept Jesus as our Savior. Immediately, we took all of the idols in our home and threw it into the nearby Hindu temple. We have started to attend church. Now there is peace and there is joy in my family. Praise God. I thank Him for saving my family. Hallelujah! It is a great day to be alive. There is no greater satisfaction than robbing the devil. <laughs> if you haven't done it, you should try it. You'll get addicted to it. I tell you, the greatest... Uh, it's like, as I told you, it's an addiction. Once you know how to look at the devil eyeball to eyeball, toe to toe, and with the word of God and the power of God, you defeat him. And you crunch him under your foot. You will never again walk away from a good battle. Never. This man's name is Palani. He lives um, in a town in South India called Ambatur. I reside in a village. I have a son, daughter, and my wife works as a nurse in a hospital. 
My son who is 8 years old was affected with jaundice and was admitted in the hospital even after a week's treatment the bile content in the blood did not reduce and his condition was alarming we didn't know what to do the hospital authorities didn't know what to do the next morning i happened to watch the television program and brother rajan was preaching on divine healing immediately i took down the victory line number and after i reached the hospital i called the victory line and prayed at about 8:15 a.m. and at 8:30 they took another blood test I took blood from my son did another test what a miracle the bile content had suddenly reduced just within 15 minutes even though my son had received treatment for a whole week he had not that bile content did not come down now he is back home playing with his sister praise god within 15 minutes this man a hindu picked up the phone called the prayer line and that's all the encounter he had with jesus you know with the lord something amazing it doesn't take much time for him to do anything Is that right? He said let there be light. There was light. Till even this morning when we woke up, there is light. There's another man his name is Paramashivam. He says when I was a young person, I got in with wrong friends and got addicted to alcohol and gambling. I was living like this for 7 years. I stopped farming, started a different business, incurred a huge loss, and I was in debt for more than 100,000 Indian rupees. My whole life seemed to be lost and out of control. One morning I got up I had a headache and I switched on the television happened to watch Victory Today I was touched by the word of God that was being spoken started to watch the program regularly and after a week's time I accepted Christ as my personal savior and immediately was delivered from alcoholism from that day I've stopped drinking it's been 18 months since this miracle has taken place I've started doing my agriculture business. I have a good harvest. Slowly God is removing my debts. Hallelujah. What a miracle. When God touches you, it is it is a he touches the whole man. Every part of our life is touched by the power of God. I had one more testimony I want to read. Um it's an it's man who's 73 years old. He was a, he's a Hindu and is comes from a, a Brahmin caste. In India we have caste system. that the hindu religion has uh, perpetuated the highest caste is the brahmin caste they are the priests all across india all the hindu temples will have a brahmin as a priest or multiple priests and uh, he wrote this letter to us he is 73 years old he says i'm a strong hindu devotee and uh, started watching i have the habit of watching television he wrote and one day i saw victory today and began to realize that the program was useful and i could feel a change inside my heart and then he took the victory line number down he had a problem with his left leg he had severe pain for 3 months couldn't bend that leg he called and asked for prayer and after prayer immediately all the pain was gone in his left leg but uh, he wanted to move that leg also so he called the next day and he prayed and now he was able to bend his leg move his leg walk and he was very happy few day a few months went by and he became depressed he writes he was depressed for 10 long days and he decided to call the victory line again and what a surprise my depression is completely gone he said i'm writing this letter just to let you know that every time i call the victory line i am receiving miracle after miracle <laughs> 73 years old all his life has served dead gods gods that never existed basically they are demons and god touched this man another exciting testimony came to us just recently a woman in north india was watching the watching the television happened to see the program 
got into it only after about after 15 minutes so she watched for the last part of the program and uh, that day there was an anointing to pray for people who are suffering from cancer and this woman was interested so she sits there listening and all of a sudden she feels an electric shock just flow through her body and she realizes there's some connection between that prayer and what she experienced we we encourage people at the end of the program to test their bodies and what God has done to write to us. Let us know the miracle that the living God has done in your life. And this woman picked up the phone, called her physician because she was diagnosed with blood cancer. So she told him what had happened and uh, and asked him if it would be alright if he could do further tests with her blood to determine if there's cancer in her blood or not. And so he called, brought her in, did the test and and the test came back and said there was no trace of cancer in our blood. No trace. Fifteen minutes. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. You don't like good stories, do you? Are we? You know, we serve a living God who does awesome miracles. Yes? And He can do one in your life. All over the world, I think wonderful things are happening, especially in the nation of India. And I want you to pray for the nation of India. I want you to pray for our family. As we travel into North India, we go to places that are real dangerous, face huge mobs and violence, and not one of our meetings has been canceled. We pray, ask God for protection. We bind the principalities and powers, and we get the work that God wants us to get done and before we leave. But we want you to pray for India. Pray for the television programs. Pray that God will bring the greatest harvest of souls. Um, you know, we, we as, we, this generation, we are living in a world filled with six, over 6 billion people. Over 6 billion souls. Every one of them have a name. Every one of them have a soul. And each one either has to receive Christ or reject Christ. And we are responsible for this generation. We as the body of Christ in this generation are responsible. And one of the things that you can do is pray. And I urge you to pray for the nation of India. I want to put in your hand a small card the pastor had. Joshua, can you pick up that stack right there sitting under daddy's uh, chair? Can I have a couple of people volunteer? I just want you to take these cards with you. Put it on your refrigerator door. And... Um, and I want you to, every time you see it, I want you to lay hands and pray for the nation of India for harvest. And also, I want you to pray that for God's provision, we, in the national telecast that I just told you about, we spend $600 a day, each day. That's the cost for airtime for half an hour. We reach 300 million people through this telecast. And I want you to pray for God's provision, that God will provide this money that we need. We need 18000 every month. And God has been good. We are not in debt. Our bill is completely paid every month. And this month we need a miracle. Every month we trust God. We sow. We reap. And uh, perhaps some of you would be interested. And if God speaks to you, I'd like you to be involved in the nation of India. And uh, what a privilege to be able to be a channel in the hand of God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, six hundred dollars, three hundred million people—that's two dollars to reach a million people. I don't think you can find a value meal in Mooresville for two dollars. But but I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you in the name of the Lord to believe God. How 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 will it be when you stand in heaven and you have fifty thousand, hundred thousand people from India 
saved because of your sowing that has made possible for the word of God to reach people who have never received the gospel. These are not people who have rejected Christ. They have never heard about Jesus. And another interesting thing in India, 60% of the people do not read and write. They cannot, if you give them a tract, they cannot do anything with it. That's our audience, 60%. And these are the people who are glued to television every day in the rural areas. And television is a comprehensive tool right now in the hand of God to, to share His Word, to, for people to receive His love, to reach out, receive a miracle in their life. You know, the Hindu people worship 33 million gods. How do you know that Christ is alive? They have no problem receiving 33 million plus one. After all, they are 33 million. You know, one more doesn't really make a big difference. But he tell them, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. Now, when you drive that point home, how do you do it? Only through a demonstration of the power of God. Their gods have never answered. Till today, no answer. But our God answers. He answers in a, with a, in a mighty way. Miracles. Blind eyes open. A dead man was raised. It doesn't matter what the need is. God can do a miracle. That is what makes the difference with Jesus and anything else people believe. And that's what you and I should be doing. Wherever we live, in your area of influence, you prove Christ is alive, you will have no problem bringing people into the kingdom of God. There's so many things people can go and read and believe, but nothing, none of them have power. Christ is the only one with power. And the power is in you. Amen? So, please pray for India, and uh, I hope that many of you will be able to trust God and underwrite one program in India. Each of you, can you imagine that? 300 million people got to receive Christ through you. It's a great opportunity. The Lord uh, has placed a special word in my heart. And I want to share with you. Today is a special day, Father's Day. And I'm a father. I have five beautiful children. Becky and I got married about 13 years ago. We didn't date. God told me that she'll be my wife. And I prayed for three months. And one day, God, during the time, God spoke in my heart and, and gave me um, confirmations and prepared me to receive her in my life. And one day he told me, I was near her, the Lord said, talk to her. And I said, Lord, um, not sure. And the Lord said, talk to her. And the voice got louder and louder about five times. And I thought the last time I heard it, she could hear it also. <laughs> That's the whole reason I opened my mouth. And uh, God, you know, gave me what I need to speak. I spoke to her for three full hours and told her who I was, where I'm from, the call of God on my life, the miracles God had done, and how one day we will be in India, do the things that we are doing. And at the end, and I also told her how I fell in love with her, all the confirmations God had given me, and asked her to marry me, all in one sitting. <laughs> It really works. <laughs> you take God's plan, you will save a lot of money and heartache. <laughs> I was a chaplain at Oral Roberts University when I was uh, pursuing theological studies. And I was in charge of 80 single students. 
Do you know what 95% of the prayer needs were? Relationships. I come from a country where nobody dates. And I, I become chaplain for people who are dating. <laughs> and uh, it was a growing time. I learned real quick. <laughs> One thing I did make out of it was, you know, perhaps this may not be the right way to do it. <laughs> And um, so my, after three hours and uh, listening, after played, placed all my cards on the table, my wife looked at me and she said, God hasn't spoken to me. <laughs> I said, would you at least pray? <laughs> Which she said she would. I remember about a couple of weeks after this conversation, I happened to see her and I asked her, have you prayed? And she looked at me. She said, listen, I want to get something very clear. I'm not interested in you. I don't love you. I don't want to give you any indication. I'm leading you on. I do not want this to be a very awkward, messy circumstance. And I said, well, for your sake, I wish I could feel a little hurt. I don't. <laughs> and I walked away. A month later, I saw her again. And, uh, and I asked her, have you been praying? She said, interesting, you should ask that question. God has spoken in my heart. He has birthed a love for you in my heart. I want to marry you. It was my turn to be shocked because I didn't realize the answer would come that quick. I really was gearing up for at least a two-year wait at the time. <laughs> so now I had my miracle. I didn't know what I'm supposed to do next. <laughs> the lady says she's going to marry me. What, what do you do? And I didn't know. So in times like that, pray. I took her hand and said, let's pray. <laughs> I probably prayed the longest prayer of my life and then I got up and kissed her for the very first time and three months later we were married and God has blessed us as five beautiful children and I do want to encourage those of you who want to get married please pray and God has somebody wonderful for your life the big miracle in our marriage has been we didn't know each other we actually started to date after we got married and uh, we discovered that our likes and dislikes are the same. Our hearts are the same. And uh, that is the huge miracle that God has done. And uh, made us a team to pray through and uh, go to the nation of India. And literally God has handed our nation to us. And I want to encourage you couples and, and fathers and husbands. God has a role for you which is far beyond what you think, what you can imagine today. And God is, we are living in a time where we need godly fathers. We need men of faith, men of faith, strong men. I'm physically strong, yes, but spiritually strong people who will not take a step back, who will, not, who will refuse to accept defeat in their life. You need, we, God is wanting to raise men who will, take, who will not be denied, who will go forward and possess that which belongs to them. I want to uh, read a couple of things to you. Did you realize that the last verse in the Old Testament and the first verse heralding the coming of John the Baptist tells us that the true sign of revival or the focal point of all history which bringing God's people together is when the hearts of daddies are turned towards their little boys and their little girls. And, um, and also that when little boys and little girls turn, turn their hearts to their daddy. And that you, the reference for that is in Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 
Luke chapter 1 verse 17. I want to read a poem that I came across which I feel is very important to godly fathers. There are little eyes upon you. They are watching you night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands eager to do everything you do. And there's a little boy who's dreaming of the day he'll be just like you. You are the little fellow's hero. You're the wisest of the wise. And in his little mind, about you, no suspicions ever arise. He believes in you devoutly, holds to all you say and do. He will say and do your way when he's grown up just like you. There's a wide-eyed little fellow who believes you're always right. And his ears are always open and he watches day and night. You are setting an example every day in all you do for that little boy who's waiting to grow up just like you. Isn't that an awesome poem? I believe God wants us to be that example as fathers in all that we say. In our actions, in our thoughts, in everything we say, we do, there are little eyes watching us, our children, who will be just like us when they grow up. And they need to be mighty men and mighty women of God. Amen? Speak that, fathers, over your children every day. When you look at them, speak over them, into them. Those dreams that God put in your heart when, when your wife was carrying your baby. Speak life into them. Speak victory into them. Shape them through words of faith and power that nobody can rob them from. Amen? Hallelujah. God wants you and I to know that His presence is a weapon that He is depositing inside you and I so that you and I can confront the enemy no matter what place it is, and have total victory every day of our life. The presence of God is more than just an ethereal experience. It's a very real thing. And it is desire of God to place His presence inside you and I. Why? Because there are many things that the devil can imitate. But there's one thing he cannot imitate, that is the presence of God. He cannot imitate that. He cannot create a duplicate of that. There is one thing the devil has never prevailed against, and that is the presence of God. The devil has never prevailed over the presence of God. And that's why I believe that God is placing His presence inside you and me. Inside every man sitting here. Inside every woman. And as you become a godly father, a godly husband, a man of faith, a man of courage, I want you to know it is the presence of God in you that's going to raise you up just like your heavenly father. That's going to give you strength. That's going to give you endurance. That's going to help you to see that, that your natural eyes cannot see and have victory in every circumstance. God has always desired to tabernacle inside His people. That's always been the desire of God. But because of sin, He couldn't do that initially as He thought. 
There was a separation and Christ had to come into this world, remove that separation. But in the Old Testament times, as you read the Bible, you see how God's presence would come upon certain men or women for a divine task. And after the task is over, He would lift up. And the presence of God was always associated with the Ark of the Covenant that the people of Israel carried with them. If you notice, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt... And uh, when they stepped into the promised land, something happened. Joshua is now the new leader. And God had told Joshua, I want you to lead the people of Israel, cross the river Jordan, possess the land, divide it among the people. So Joshua did something. He sent two men to go over and spy the city of Jericho. Now in those days, Jericho was, was, a, was a fortified city. It was a formidable obstacle standing in the way of the children of Israel. Without capturing Jericho, they cannot advance further into God's promised land. Jericho had to be conquered, but Jericho was also a well-fortified city. The Bible describes Jericho. It says there, are two, there were two walls running around Jericho. And both the walls were 30 feet high. The outer wall was 12 feet thick. The inner wall was 6 feet thick. 15 feet. They were 15 feet apart. So it was 33 feet clear across. And on top, they had, they had linked the walls by building houses. So anyone who would walk up to Jericho will be impressed with these massive walls. And that's what the children of Israel were looking at. This is the obstacle standing in the way. So Joshua sends two men to go spy Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 2, you read these profound words. These two men were discovered. The king discovered these two guys are there, so he sends people to arrest them. And they take refuge in the home of a woman called Rahab. And the words that she spoke are written here, verse 9. Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She knew that the land was already given to them. How? She says, I know that the Lord... She didn't say, I have heard of how you conquered. I have heard of your military might. She wasn't referring to that. She immediately tells them that it is God who has given them the land. And she says, your terror is already fallen upon us. And the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She goes on, verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. When we heard it, our hearts melted, neither did spirit or courage remain any more in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Here is a woman who had no idea about the living God. She, had, she did not have a covenant relationship with God. She probably worshipped idols. Was probably involved in pagan worship. Yet in her words, she is very clear. She says, we have heard what the Lord has done for you. Who are the people of Israel? They were God's chosen people. God took an obscure man called Abraham 
who was already 75 years old, no children, and he blessed this man. And through that man, he created for himself a people whom he could call his own. People who would belong to him. He wanted a people through whom he can demonstrate his power. People through whom he can fulfill his plan and his purpose. And this woman knew that the people of Israel were different because of a living God. She said, your God is not like my God. Your God is the God of heaven. He is the God of earth. And we know what He has done. He dried the Red Sea for you. And He has done miracles for you. He has manifested His power on your behalf. We have heard it. That's why your terror has fallen upon us. We already know that we cannot prevail against you. We already know this land, as far as we can see, already belongs to you. Because of what God has done. And our God is still the same. He has not changed. You are His chosen one. You are His daughter. You are His son. And God has a wonderful plan for our lives. He wants to manifest His power. He wants to manifest His purpose. He wants to fulfill His will through your life. It doesn't matter what you think you are. It doesn't matter what has happened in your lives all these days. Today is a new day and God says, You are my child and I want to work with you and through you. I want to prove to the people around you that I'm a living God. See, this woman did not have opportunity to observe the lives of the people of Israel, but she had heard the mighty demonstration of the power that God had demonstrated. And she knew that this is extraordinary. These are not simple things that happen. This can happen only if a God is actively at work in these people. And our God is working in our lives. Our God desires to flow through us. Our God, your Jesus, wants to touch people around you through you. Too long. We are waiting for somebody to come from some place and do something wrong. You are the one. You are not in this place, in this county, by an accident. You may have thought, well, this is where I grew up. This is where my daddy is from, my mommy is from. So I'm here. Maybe that's a reason. But I want you to know, it is God who has divinely placed you here. You may be here because of a job or because of a school. It doesn't matter. God brought you here. And God wants to operate through you. He wants to fill you with His presence. He wants His presence known. He wants people to look at you, not distinguish you through your physical features. Rather, He wants people to see His presence, His power flowing and operating in your life so that people will know that there is a God. He's a living God. He's a God of heaven. He's a God on earth. And there is terror in the hearts of your enemies. Those who oppose you will know that they are not fighting you, that they are fighting God. And terror falls upon them. And they are faint-hearted. They are ready to vacate and give you the land so that you can expand your territory. It's not a nice slogan. It is a reality. God expects you and I, His children, to put on the whole armor of God. Use the weapons He has given us. Use the Word of God. Confront the enemy. Defeat him and take territory. Souls. 
We don't just wait where we are. Hope something is going to happen. Actively, every day, you and I can be accomplishing things for God. I want to share with you a story of a man. It's in the Bible. You know his life's life. His story, the name of this man is Gideon. You heard his story? Learned it at Sunday school. Gideon, his story is recorded in Judges chapter 6. And uh, the Bible says that the land of Egypt was overrun by the Midianites. Because the people of Israel turned their back on the living God, God delivered them into the hand of the Midianites. And they were raiding the land, they were conquering, they were, they were robbing the people of Israel. And Gideon is, he has just harvested, he has taken all the wheat up to the wine press in the hills and he's threshing wheat there. He's all by himself. He is fearful. He has no intention of fighting the Midianites. His heart is filled with doubt. He doesn't believe that he is anything. And there he is all by himself. Does, and is positive. Nobody knows where he is. And at that time, God sends an angel to visit this man. And these are the words of the angel. In verse 12, the angel says, You are a mighty man of valor, or fearless courage, and the Lord is with you. And... Fathers, men, husbands, God is telling you the same thing. You are a mighty man of fearless courage. Where does it come? It doesn't come because you have read some positive mental attitude books. It comes because the presence of God is in you. You are occupied by the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a man of mighty Valor, fearless courage because of the Holy Spirit. And when the angel told Gideon this, Gideon was shocked and he was almost convinced that the angel had come to the wrong person. And so in the following verse, verse 13, he looks at the angel and says, Look, if this is really true, why did God allow these things? Where are all the miracles? Why? Where? We have asked those questions to God when things didn't work out the way we thought it should work. We've asked, Lord God, why did this happen? Where? where you know, wh- why is that miracles happen only there? What about us? So many times we have questions and, and the enemy plays with our minds, uh, bombards us with thoughts that causes us to doubt because he knows that if we doubt, we become double-minded. And, and the Bible says such a person cannot even imagine receiving anything from God. That's why he attacks our minds with doubts and questions. And Gideon had these questions and the, and the angel listened to him and finally the angel said this to Gideon. He says, Go now in this your might and save the people of Israel from the hand of the Midianites. That's exactly what it says. Go now in this your might. Very important word. What did the angel mean by that? God was telling Gideon, I am putting my presence inside you. And you are going to receive my strength. You are going to receive my favor. You are going to receive my wisdom. You are going to receive my mantle. And you are going to be the one who is going to deliver the people of Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Now Gideon is still convinced he is not the man. He says, look, I am the least in my home. my, My family is the least in the tribe. My tribe is the least in the nation. As far as Gideon can think of, his tribe has not contributed anything of significance to the existence of the nation. And he is amazed, how can he be the person? 
Some of us in our mind may think like that. I don't think I'm the man. There are people who are well qualified. They've gone to seminaries. They've been to every possible Bible study possible. Maybe they are the ones. But God is looking at you. Each one of you. He says, stop looking at your own self. Stop looking at your own ability. Our physical abilities are limited. Our wisdom is limited. Everything we possess has a limitation. But you and I serve a God who is unlimited. His power is unlimited. His wisdom is unlimited. Everything about our God is unlimited. And He's giving you and I an opportunity to experience Him as an unlimited God. Before our lives are over, you and I as God's children must experience God as an unlimited God. We must experience Him as an all-powerful God. We must experience Him as a God who is unchanging. Do you know that? We need to prove it. It's not just a word in the pages of the Bible. It must move from the pages in the Bible into our heart. Our God is unchanging. If He would stand with Gideon, if He can use Gideon, He will use you. He will use me. He is an unchanging God. His power has not changed. His ability has not changed. He is, you can trust Him. You can depend on Him on every, in every circumstance. No matter how drastic things are, no matter how hopeless things are, our God is an unchanging God. He's an all-powerful God. He's an unlimited God. Not a single rule, not a single limitation that you and I are faced with will ever stop God from being who He is. That's our God. And God tells Gideon, go now in this your might. But God told him one more thing. He said, Gideon, there is a grove in your backyard. There are idols there. There are trees that have been reared up for, for, for Baal. And I want you to go there, destroy the altar, and cut that grove and clean it up. And Gideon did that. Now I believe often in our lives, little things that we have allowed to creep into our lives are holding back the full manifestation of God's anointing and power that is available to you and I. Very important. There is only one power. Not degrees of power. One power. God used that power to create the world. And when His Son Jesus came into this world, God gave Him His power. Remember the story, how He was baptized in water. He came out and the Holy Spirit came upon Him in the form of a dove. God didn't expect Jesus, who had a body just like you and I, a physical body. God did not expect His Son to fulfill the divine mandate He gave Him with His limited natural strength or His limited natural mind. God baptized Him with the Holy Spirit. He had the same, through the Holy Spirit, he, has, he was delegated the same power that God the Father used to do everything. Every mighty work of God that we read in the Old Testament is a, is a demonstration of God's power. That is the power He gave His Son. And look at what Jesus did. When He resurrected, He didn't take His power and go back to heaven. He said, all authority to exercise power in heaven and earth has been given unto me, so send I you. He gave us that same power. He has given us that same anointing. 
There is not five different anointings with God. There is only one anointing. There is only one power. Why? So that you and I can see the same results Jesus saw in His life. Every one of us can be used by God. And God is speaking to us today. Just like He spoke to Gideon. Go now in this your might. And save, the Median, save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. There are people in our home, our family members who still do not know Christ. There are friends you have, people you work with, your street, your community, your neighborhood. People who need to come to know Christ, experience His love, and walk in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And how is it going to happen? It's going to happen through you. You are the one, like Gideon, who's going to be empowered by God. God's going to deposit His presence inside you, and you will deliver people from the hands of the devil. And people will be saved. There will be joy in your street. There will be joy in your home. You don't, you know, you don't have to wait and, 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 and wonder what's going to happen. It is wide open. This is the day. This is the hour. And then, in verse 33, Judges chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says that the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the people of the East gathered together. And they crossed the river Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. When you cross the river Jordan, you know what happens. You are inside the promised land. So instead of just the Midianites, Gideon is now faced with three armies that have joined together and have come against the people of Israel. All this time, Gideon is thinking, I'm just dealing with the Midianites. Now the devil has intensified the battle. But the Bible says... Immediately, the next scripture, verse 34. The Spirit of the Lord God Himself clothed Gideon. Spirit of God clothed Gideon with Himself and took possession of him. It's in your Bible. Gideon did not even have the time to be fearful or doubt or be anxious. When he heard or saw this massive army come against him and the nation of Israel, he was immediately possessed by the Holy Spirit. And God wants you and I to know He will possess us. He will clothe us. Isn't it awesome to be clothed by the Spirit of God? To be in, possessed by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says He blew a trumpet and the following chapter you read, 32,000 men came around this man. What brought them around Gideon? Nobody knew of Gideon. But what people saw was the presence of God in this man. They saw something they did not see in other people. They knew God's hand was upon this man. They, they need not look to the left or to the right. This was the man that God has raised as a deliverer. Gideon didn't have to walk around and say, I'm the deliverer, I'm the deliverer. No. There was something inside him. People were able to just see right through. 32,000 men. And you know the story. God looks at that number. He says, Gideon, this is way too many people. Let's bring it down. Here's a huge army out there. And God says 32,000 is too much. And Gideon asked the people a question. How many of you are afraid? Go home. Do you know what happened? 22,000 left. That will really build a leader. <laughs> that will really build a confidence. <laughs> God said, ask them, how many of you are afraid? Go home. 22,000 packed and left. 10,000 left behind. And God says, this is still too much. And he cuts it down to a nice round figure of 300. 
300, think about this, 300 with unusual weapons, a mud pot, a torch in the left hand, and a trumpet in the right hand, no hand to use the sword. And this is all God gives them and sends them forth. And think about that. How did 300 men follow Gideon, advance against this huge army? What got inside them to do it? Because if you just look at it in the natural, this is a very uneven war. You don't even need to bother to fight. You know you're going to be crushed. Why did they go? And how is it they walked away with such incredible victory? Because of the presence of God inside Gideon. They saw the presence of God and they knew that this enemy army cannot prevail against the presence of God and they had victory. That is why God has preserved that story for us. There's one more story in Second Chronicles chapter 14. You read the story of a king called Asa. Asa becomes the king. And if you read the story, you find one day a million man army showed up from Ethiopia. One million people, the Bible says. They came against him. And, and Judah is a small nation. Just two tribes. Their army was a small army. There was nothing in the natural they possessed to stand against these people. But Asa began to pray. And he tells God, No man has prevailed against you. No one has prevailed against you. See, that was his strength. And the Bible says he advanced against his million man army and walked away with an incredible victory. Secret? No man. No one has prevailed against God. And that is the truth that we need to know and we need to experience in our life. It's, what is it being a Christian? We call ourselves believers. Do you believe, don't you think there should be a stark difference between you as a child of God and somebody who has never known Christ? There must be. What is it? It is the presence of God. It's the knowledge in our heart that we know that God is with us. That nobody can prevail against God. Nobody has prevailed before. Nobody can prevail today. It doesn't matter what happens. Nobody and the devil certainly cannot prevail against God. And His presence is right inside you. Why? So that you and I can be channels of power and victory in the hand of God. Victory in our personal life. And also to bring victory in the lives of others. When you meet a person who is sick, our, our first response is not to go to the hallmark and get a nice sympathy card. Anybody can do that. But you are a child of God. The presence of God is in you. And sickness cannot prevail against the presence of God. That's why we lay hands on somebody and we pray and we take authority over that evil spirit there and command it to go. And you have victory. That person experienced a miracle. And they realize that Christ is alive. And the hearts are turned towards God. See, no matter what the challenge you face, you have a choice. You can deal with the surface level of the challenge or you can go to the root cause. It's like this. You get a nice plant. Maybe you spend $50 for this plant and you're, you're taking good care of it. One day you realize that the leaves are not as vibrant and green and it's drying. So what's the choice? You can go to Home Depot, get green spray paint and paint the leaf. Want a green leaf? You can have green leaf. Or you can go to the root, dig it up, change soil, add fertilizer, 
Get water in there. Whatever needs to be done to attend to the root so that the leaves take care of themselves. When you trace... See, how do we deal with a problem? We look at it in the natural realm and we can deal with it in the natural realm. What you and I, God expects us to do is to go in the realm of the Spirit. When there's a challenge... It can be a problem in the marriage. It can be with your children. It could be in the work, a business thing, whatever it is. People opposing you. You want to build something and there's a problem there. You can just look at it. Oh, this is just rules. This is just that person doesn't like this. You can look at it or you can get on your knees and in the realm of the Spirit, go to the root of the problem and you'll find an evil spirit at work opposing you, opposing the work of God. How do we deal with that? Only through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You bind that because Jesus said, I give you power over every power of the enemy. Every power. Underline that all the time. Every power. It doesn't matter what it is. You don't have to be an extraordinarily strong spiritual person to deal with the devil. Because it is not your strength God is depending upon. He has put himself inside you. That's what he did with Gideon. He was not asking for Gideon to give him his strength or his wisdom or his abilities. God said, just say yes so that I can enter enter inside you. I can live inside you. I can have a hundred percent occupancy of you and work through you. We go to the root of the problem. We deal with the enemy. We bind him. And next thing you know, the surface problem takes care of it by itself. I want to give you an example. We went to a place in North India, a state called Gujarat. For the last two years, there's been such incredible riots, violence between Hindus and Muslims. In 20 months, 40,000 people have lost their lives because of mob violence in that city. And, and, and God put in our hearts to go there, conduct a school of ministry. We announced it, advertised it. And the local leaders told us, don't do this because this is all these uh, hardline Hindu people are waiting for. Now Christians are going to be attacked. We prayed some more. God said, go. So we began to get on our knees and we began to pray against the principality that's the rule over there. We prayed against the principalities of the evil spirits that are instigating people to, to adopt the violence and murder and cold-blooded killing. And we bound that evil spirit. And when we finally reach the city, 48 hours before the school start, fresh violence breaks in the city. Eight months, everything was calm. Violence breaks in a single day. 65 people are dead. Between mob violence and police firing, and they were missing two people. Two people's bodies could not be accounted for, and the whole city is simmering, seething. And the indication in the natural realm was this school is over. We got on our knees, began to pray. On the day of the school, God removed that curfew. The curfew was lifted. And our total registration for that school was 1,277 people who braved everything, who braved the violence, who braved... They knew that they may not come back home. Yet they came. Why? Because God is doing something awesome inside the hearts and and souls of people. They came because they were hungry for God. They knew they needed a breakthrough in their life. They were tired of Christian life as they knew it. And they knew there is something more to Christian life than what they were experiencing. And they wanted to trade it in. 
They want to trade that monotonous, you know, defeated Christian life to a victorious life that comes from God. They wanted to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. These are people who are tired of reading miracles, wanting the Bible. They were challenging God, do something through me. We were there for 10 days. Our school starts 8.30 in the morning, goes all the way to 11 in the night. And foreigners are not allowed to speak there. I had a pastor from South Carolina and another man in India was living there. God has brought him there to teach people how to birth churches in their homes. And these two men are teaching every afternoon, an hour and a half each. No police protection, nothing. Ten long days, not one person came near that building. How? Because we dealt with the devil where he needs to be dealt with. He was bound. And he couldn't enter people and instigate them. He couldn't hatch a plot against us. And he was completely disarmed. And we could do what we wanted to do. And most importantly, God helped the believers to know that He is God. He's the God in heaven. He's the God on earth. And there is nothing that the devil can do that can come and prevail against God. 1,277 men and women were touched by God in that one school. Why am I sharing that story? I want you to know it is time as believers that we took the Word of God when we read it and say, Lord, I want to prove you. I don't want to believe this just because I go to church and I have a Christian name or because I have Christian parents. I want to prove you. You need to do that, friend. It's time. It's time right here in this calendar, wherever God takes you, you can prove God. You need to go beyond just that, that, that ritual of being a believer and meetings and everything. It's time that you confront the devil and know that your God is really who He says He is. We as believers should not allow a sick person pass by us without praying for them. We as believers, when we hear there's a problem in our friend's life, should not just say, well, you know, I'll pray for them. No, we need to actively seek God as to how we can minister to them and set them free. And you can do it. Because God's presence is inside you. He wants people whom He can possess like He possessed Gideon. That's why the great prophet Isaiah Years before you and I started living in this planet, spoke these words of a day that he, he knew people would enjoy. He said, Arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen inside you. He saw this day. This is the day and this is the hour. To experience the presence of God. To experience the glory of God. And to prove it in action. That's what we need today. And you are the one God is looking for. You are the one. You may feel, I am the weakest person here. You may feel, well, my age is such and such. The world has said, I'm retired, so I'm retired. And I need to move to Florida. No, you don't need to move to Florida. It's hot there. I was there. It was so hot. (laughs) You need to be where God wants you to be. And you need to let God possess you. Eighty-five years was Caleb. 
45 years before he had when he walked through the promised land he saw a mountainous region it was called Hebron and God told him this is the land that belongs to you this is your inheritance for 45 years that man carried that dream every day he saw the whole generation die in the wilderness and he comes into the promised land he fights for everybody every tribe to get the property and when he was 85 years old on his birthday he walks into Joshua's office and he says you know what my strength is the same as it to us 45 years ago. I want you to give me this mountain. This is my inheritance. He carried that vision. What vision do you have? Vision that God has for you, which He had for you before you were born. And we as believers should pursue God and receive that vision. It should be birthed inside our spiritual womb. It should grow and you will birth that vision just like a baby's birth and you will do the things that pleases God and the equipment is already there. God's anointing is on you. His power is on you. The Word is in your hand and there's nothing that the devil possesses in his entire arsenal that can ever defeat you. Nothing. Nothing. There's absolutely nothing the devil possesses that can destroy you. You don't need to be afraid of anything. You don't need to be afraid of terrorists. You don't need to be afraid of dirty bombs. You don't have to be afraid of chemical warfare. Because nothing can touch you. You are a child of God. The presence of God is in you. And there is nothing that can prevail against you. As a matter of fact, if you as a believer are living in a place, you may be the insurance policy for the whole neighborhood to be alive. Are you with me? God is with you. He has a great plan for your life. Hallelujah. Moses said, God, give me your presence. God said, you, you can have my presence. And when he got the presence, he didn't stop it. He said, give me your glory. God went extra steps to give this man his glory. He told him, Behold, there's a rock. Stand on this rock. The story is in Exodus 33. There's a rock beside me. Stand on this rock. And my presence will go by you. And I will cover you with my hand. And when I pass you by, I'll take the hand off. You can see my back. God, for the first time in human history, a man asked for God's presence and His glory. And God gave it to him. Went extra efforts to help him get it. Today, you are standing on a rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. Even before you ever ask God for His presence or His glory, God has already made the, made the provision for you. You can have it, friend, today. Let God possess you. Let God possess your mind. Let God possess your heart. Let Him possess your mouth, your eyes, your ears, so that you are led by God. It's the life that God has for you. Amen? We're going to pray right now. Just put your, slip your hands up. Everybody. At the end of the service, I really like an opportunity to lay hands and pray for you. If you'll take time, I know it's an important day. But if you'll take time to be here, I'll be, it'll be a privilege to pray with you. Pray after me. Lord Jesus, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the wonderful provision You have made for me. I ask, Lord, that you'll pour your presence inside me. Just like Gideon, I want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. I want to be possessed. 
I want to be occupied by you. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give everything I have to you. Come inside me. Take possession of me. Live in me. Move in me. See through me. Touch people through me. Lord, things that are in my life that's displeasing to you. I repent of it right now. Reveal to me, O oh God, hidden things that should not be in my life, should not be in my house. I will remove it, Lord. I want to be led by you. I want to be an instrument in your hand, a channel in your hand to bring healing, salvation, victory, breakthrough in the lives of people around me. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, worship Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Talk to Him. Come on. Thank Him. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. We honor You, Lord.